Today, we're going to start a brand new series. We're going to be in this series for four weeks. The next four weeks, we're going to be in the ends in your Bible, so you can go ahead and turn there or flick there if you've got a phone that you uh, follow along with. Um, the series is called One Mind, How to Think Like a Christian. I think that we know that the Christian life involves the heart, right? Christian life involves the heart. Got to love God. Got to love people, right? Love others as ourselves. All of those things involve the heart for sure. I think a lot of time, though, we tend to forget about or tend to underestimate the importance of our mind when it comes to the Christian life. What we think, how we think matters because right thinking leads to right living, right? Right thinking leads to right living. We have to change how we think about some things because Isaiah 55, 8 says it best. God said there, my thoughts are not your thoughts, right? And of course, he is holy and completely different than us, but he says we have the mind of Christ Jesus. We have access to the mind of Christ Jesus, which means that he wants us to think like he does about life. And there are a lot of things in life that we're naturally led to think our own way about that maybe God has different thoughts about. And if we would adopt those thoughts as opposed to the ones that we normally would think about, our lives would change. And at the beginning of Philippians, we're just going to cover the, the beginning part during this series. Lord willing, you and I have lots of time together to get back to Philippians, and we will get back to Philippians because it's one of my favorite places in Scripture. By the way, you're going to hear me say that about just about every place in Scripture. <laughs> just, to, just to get you ready for that. But in the beginning part of Philippians, Paul, who is first century Christian uh, Jesus church planter, he plants these churches and he plants one in a Roman colony called Philippi. And then about 10, 12 years later, he writes back to them. This is a letter that we have, but it was inspired by God. This is God's words. And here he presents a few different things that maybe we might need to think differently about. So today, we're starting off with one that I'm calling how to think about yourself. How to think about yourself. If you're taking notes today, you can categorize them that way. How to think about yourself. You might think, well, I don't really need a whole lot of help doing that. Or some of you might be thinking, my spouse doesn't need a whole lot of help doing that. Caitlin would say that about me. I don't need a whole lot of help thinking about myself. I think about myself all the time. But the problem is, I think we, we tend to think about ourselves very badly. We're not good at doing this, right? You look in the mirror in the morning, and sometimes you're like, I got this. I like what I see today, right? Maybe it was this morning for you. The hair's working, right? Or maybe you look in the mirror, and you're not impressed with what you see at all. You're like, man, that, I need to get out of the bathroom, and go get ready in the kitchen, where there are fewer <laughs> reflect. As you get older, by the way, you tend to have more of those days. Uh, <clears throat> but either way, I mean, those are both responses that I think God's got some improvements for us in how we tend to think about ourselves. Um, as I said, we welcomed Lincoln, our son, into the family a couple of months ago, and uh, he's wonderful. He's doing awesome. Um, he is, you know, he's disrupting our sleep patterns just like he should as a little baby. Um, 
But other than that, things are going really well. And about three weeks into his little life, he received his first piece of mail. He did. It was addressed to him, too. It said, Lincoln Judah Lister, right on the front. I thought that was awesome. And I told him, I said, it's not going to stop. The mail will always come now. It's just going to come to you, and it's going to come forever. But it was from the Social Security Administration. It was his first ever ID card, right? His little, I, I just loved it. I'm just like, my son's official. He's got a number. I don't know what it is yet. It starts with a six, but that's all I know. But it's there, and it's his little ID card. And it got me thinking about, man, who's my son going to be as he grows up? You know, and... And then also got me thinking, as he gets a little older into like middle school years, he's going to start to ask a question. And it's the same question that you and I start to ask around that time. And as we get older, we never really stop asking this question. And the problem is we get the answer wrong most of the time. And the question is, who am I? Who am I? Who am I? We've got a lot of different answers to this question. Culture will tell you that there are no wrong answers to this question, right? Whatever you want to do, whoever you want to be, whoever you want to be with, whatever you say goes as long as you're not hurting anybody else. Doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. Doesn't matter what God thinks. You can do, you can answer this question however you want to answer it. No wrong answers. That's a lie. There are many wrong answers to this question. I've categorized them for you. I'm going to go through them really quickly because I'm a good, uh, like, well-trained Baptist preacher. They all start with the same letter. Okay? So here we go. Ways we answer the question, who am I? And these are all bad answers, by the way, before we get started. Okay, you ready? If you're taking notes, here we go. Number one, profession. Profession. I tend to answer this question with this kind of answer, profession. I am a teacher. I am a plumber. I'm an engineer. I'm a landscaper, whatever it is. We tend to answer it with this question. And the better, more successful we are in our profession, the more of a temptation is to answer that question with this answer. But it's a bad answer to who am I. Professions can change. You can lose your profession, right? That can easily happen. The people, uh, people under the age of 35, this is what studies are telling us, the average, on average, they will change careers five times in their lives now. Professions change. It's a bad answer. Who am I? Here's another one. Possessions. Possessions. I am the person who has the biggest, nicest house that everybody likes to come over to. I am the one who's got the biggest truck. Who's got the biggest truck in this church? No one's going to answer? No one's going to raise their hand? Are you going to make yourself a sermon illustration right in real time? I am the one who has the latest tech. Whatever it is, bad answer. Possessions fade, right? Possessions fade. What was new today is not new tomorrow, right? This is the way that this goes. This is a bad answer. Uh, possessions. Here's another one. Passion. Another one. This is what we tend, we tell people this sometimes. When you're trying to figure out who I am, trying to figure out who, who I'm going to be, all this stuff. We got to find what you're, what? What you're passionate about, right? Except passions change, right? You get older, things change. Passions change. Mine changed. 
right? God changed mine. When I was 24, I thought I was going to be a rock star. <laughs> that was not based on my assessment. Of, well, it was based on my assessment of my ability. It was not based on an objective assessment of my ability. <laughs> I loved music more than anything else, and I still do, but slowly God started, he started to change my passion. As I got older, passions change. It's a bad answer to who I am. Here's another one. Personality. You might disagree with me on this, and it might sound weird. Personality. This is really hot right now. A lot of people doing things like, I'm taking, I'm taking the disc test, or the, I got to find out if I'm an I, N, F, J, Z, P, Q, whatever, or the Enneagram. I'm a four. What does that even mean? If you're looking for some, okay, if you're looking for some information, just taking a personality test and be like, I need to find out, you know, a little bit about how I respond to other people's personalities and based on my own right now, all that kind of stuff, that's fine. But so many times we elevate it into the answer to this question, who am I? I'm, I'm a seven, that's what I am. I finally figured it out. My whole life is unlocked, except personalities change. Did you know that? Did you know your personality changes? It's going to change. Things are going to happen in your life that will have a direct effect on your personality. Married couples know this, right? You know this. How many of you not married to the same person you got married to 25 years ago? Not saying like, oh, they're a terrible person. People, people change. Personalities change. I saw, I saw that, Kim Hainer. Personalities change. Bad answer to this question. Here's the last one. Performance. Performance. I am very skilled in blank. Fill it out. Or the opposite of it. I am not skilled in this area, and I wish that I was, and I become obsessed over that, and that is kind of who I... Bad answer. You know why all of these categories are bad answers to the question, who am I? It's because they're all temporary. It's because they're all temporary. Here's the thing. It might be news for you. You are not. You're not temporary. You will live forever. Whether you live forever with God or live forever without God is entirely up to you and whether you recognize Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But you will live forever. And whenever somebody who is not temporary answers the question, who am I, with a temporary answer, you get an identity crisis every single day time every time so what's the right answer i'm glad you asked enter philippians i'm going to read the first couple of verses we're actually going to cover the first couple of verses here in chapter one so follow along chapter one verse one paul and timothy servants of christ jesus to all god's holy people in christ jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. There's one thing I do not want you to miss today, okay? One thing I don't want you to miss, you forget everything else, just remember this, okay? It's the main idea. I'm going to have Andrew throw it up on the screen for us. Your identity is not something you conceive yourself. It's something you receive from God, okay? Your identity not something you conceive yourself. It's something you receive from God. What we just read, the first couple of verses of Philippians, is the greeting of the letter, okay? Okay, maybe I should have explained this. A letter is 
something that you sit down and write to somebody. <laughs> Used to do this, right? Dear so-and-so, greeting, body of the letter, conclusion, put an envelope, put a thing called a stamp on it, and send it in the mail, right? I know it's been a long time since we've maybe done this, but this is a letter. Philippians is a letter, and this is the greeting of the letter, and here's the thing about a greeting. You say, did we just hire a guy who's going to do a whole sermon on the greeting? You did. There's a lot of information in the greeting. There's a lot of information about identity in a greeting. If I greet somebody, there's a lot of information about who they are to me as I greet them. Hey, brother. Hey, sister. Hey, you. (laughs) That one means I forgot your name. Hey, honey. There's only one person I'm talking to then, right? Or if I say, hello, sir, right? Somebody's got authority over me, right? There's a lot of information here. This is a letter that Paul wrote to the Philippians, but it's God's words, which means it's God's greeting to the Philippians. And because it's God's word, it's not just to them, it's also to us. That's right. So it's God's greeting to us. And if he's greeting us, there's a lot of information, important information about who we are in this greeting, who we are to God. That is the right answer to the question. So we're going to break it down one sentence at a time here. I'm going to begin with the first part that we read already. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. This opening line here by Paul is a little bit unusual. Uh, If you look at all of the other letters that Paul has written in the New Testament, and there's quite a few of them, he usually introduces himself or tends to introduce himself with a different title. The title is Apostle, right? That means sent one, one who's personally sent by Jesus. It's a title of authority. And he uses it because he's got to give a message to somebody using godly authority. But here, and also in Romans, he doesn't use that title. In fact, he doesn't just introduce himself. He says Paul and Timothy. Timothy was not an apostle, right? Sent one of Jesus. Only the disciples and Paul could claim that title, right? Timothy's not an apostle, but he lumps them together and he says, we're servants of Christ Jesus. Um, This word servants, first off, before I say this, you 100% can and should trust your English translation as God's word, okay? But the English translation here, it's accurate, but it's a little bit weak. In the Greek, it's a word that means slave. Slave. Now back then, slavery... It's just a little bit different than what we tend to conjure up in our minds today. Um, what would happen is typically you would owe a debt, and if you could not pay that debt with what you made, you would, you would sell yourself over as a bondservant, and you would work off the debt. But the concept is the same, and the concept, the core concept here is this. If I'm a slave of someone, my will disappears. My will disappears and I take on the will of my master. Paul is saying something incredibly profound and also incredibly difficult about who we are. We're followers of Christ. We're slaves of Christ Jesus. It's just the truth. My will disappears. Now, I'm not... That's hard to swallow as a human. I think it's also a little bit hard to swallow for us uh, as Americans. Because we value what? Freedom. Right? 
And like a month from now, we're going to blow a whole bunch of stuff up celebrating that. Right? Independence Day. I depend on no one. I'm free. If you're talking about governmental, you know, that's fine. That's great. I love it too. I'm going to blow a whole bunch of stuff up as well. Or watch somebody do it. I have a son now, so my wife won't let me do any of the fun stuff. But we'll watch somebody else do the fun stuff. It's all good. I value freedom. I'm free. And freedom is what? Do whatever I want. There's a problem with that in the Christian identity. We don't really work together that well because if I'm a slave of Christ Jesus, it means my will disappears and I take on the will of God, right? I take on the will of Christ Jesus. So maybe... We're misunderstanding something here because Jesus, when he was talking in John chapter 8, he's talking to a whole bunch of people about freedom, and he says, if you have sinned, you are a slave to sin, right? Unless I come along and I set you free, then if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. But I'm a slave of Christ Jesus. Maybe... Maybe I'm misunderstanding something about freedom. I want, you to, I want you to imagine with me a fish. Any fish, doesn't matter. And I want you to imagine for a moment that this fish suddenly becomes conscious, has will, decision-making powers of its own, and it decides one day, you know, if you've got a little goldfish in your tank, it decides one day, you know, I want to be free. I don't want to be restricted by the waters anymore right? I'm going to get out of the waters. I'm going to live my life as a free fish. And maybe it succeeds. You ever seen a fish jump out of the water? Maybe it succeeds. Let me ask you, is that fish free? No. What is it? It's dead. It's dead. Freedom the way that I typically want it as a human being, freedom to do whatever I want, always ends in death, always, because I am actually going to be a slave to something, whether I like it or not, so either I'm a slave to Christ Jesus, and I'm actually free from sin and death, or I am a slave to sin and death, and it ends in death. You see what I'm saying? This is a tremendously huge part of our identity. Who am I? I'm a slave of Christ Jesus, because I'm free from sin and death, absolutely free, but there's it's a hard truth. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19 to 20, God says this. He says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? Remember, identity is something that you receive, not something you conceive yourself. It's because it comes from the Holy Spirit inside of us. You receive from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. That's the hard truth. You are not up to you. You are not up to you. You didn't make you. If a woodworker makes something in his workstation, who gets to decide what that thing is and what it does? The one who made it. You're not up to you, but there's a glorious truth that goes along with this reality. You ready for it? You ready for the glorious truth? You belong to him. 
You belong to him. As you answer the question in your life, who am I? One of the most wonderful things that you're going to discover is that if you, be, if you are a slave to Christ Jesus, you belong to him. You always have somewhere to call home with him. Right? Check this out. Psalm 100, verse 3. You should have this one memorized. In fact, I want us to read this out loud together. Okay, you ready? Let's go. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Now, if you think about it very long, you might think, well, that's kind of insulting to be compared to a sheep. Sheep are universally what? They're dumb. Guess what? (laughs) But here's the thing. If you're a sheep in God's pasture, you have everything you need. You have everything you need. But your will disappears. All right? Who am I? I'm a slave of Christ Jesus. Paul goes after something we tend to believe about ourselves, that I am the one in charge, right? My will reigns. But he says, no, that's not the case. In the next sentence, he goes after something, some things that we tend to say about ourselves. And so let's go here into verse, the second half of verse 1. He says this, Furthering the greeting to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. Now, there's something that I want you to, I'm going to call your attention to here. I want you to notice this in this phrase. What does Paul not call them? He doesn't call them Philippians. Did you notice this? It's important to notice. He doesn't call them Philippians. He's not against calling them Philippians. He does it a few chapters later in chapter 4. But he doesn't do it here in this greeting. Because he's telling them something about who they are. See, Philippi was a Roman colony. And they had a lot of prestigious history. And there was a lot of pride associated with being a Roman colony for the people in Philippi. Most of the people in Philippi were what are known as Gentiles. Meaning they were not Jews. They were not part of the Israelite nation. They were not part of those things. A lot of pride associated with being a part of Philippi and being a Philippian. He says all here to all God's holy people. This is what tends to happen. When we're getting the answer wrong to the question, who am I? What tends to happen is we tend to start to confuse geography with identity. I want you to go here with me on this. It is very, very easy for me as a Christian to slip into this. Who am I? I'm an American. Who am I? Well, I'm a Mexican. Who am I? I'm a European. I'm a whatever. Nothing wrong with loving where you're from. Like I told you, I'm going to watch some fireworks explode next month because I love where I'm from. Okay? But there is something wrong when my love for where I am from overtakes my identity as a Christian. And it happens. I, am I an American? Yes, absolutely. Do I love America? Yes, absolutely. I'm a Christian before I'm an American. I'm a Christian before I'm anything else. Right? This is hugely important. He doesn't call them Philippians because he needs to point them to this reality. That I am not where I am. 
Don't confuse where you are with who you are. By the way, he says all right here, all God's people, because one of the ten one of the things that tends to happen when I start confusing where I am with who I am is this. Division happens naturally. I start to look at people who are from other places, not even, not even countries. I say, I'm from West Michigan. Oh, that person's from the east side. You know what they're like on the east side. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? What if God wants to bring these people together in the church to be a powerful testimony to him and his gospel and who he is? And the one defining factor to be that, man, they've got nothing else in common, but the one thing that they have in common is that they love Jesus. But if that's what he wants to do, and we, get, we put barriers up to that because we confuse where we are with who we are. We can't do that. I'm a Christian before I'm anything else. But what does he call them then? I love this. He calls them holy people in Christ Jesus. And if we're, if we're not careful, we don't read it carefully, we skip over greetings all the time. I understand. I do the same thing. But if we read it carefully, we realize he's calling them two different things here. Two different things. We'll take the first one. Holy people. Holy people. Holy means basically to be set apart, to be consecrated, to be set aside for a purpose, right? If I were to come up with a really simple, crude illustration, it'd be this. Uh, you do a budget at home, a lot of people do an envelope system, right? You do an envelope system for your budget. Uh, you're going to take an envelope, you're going to write stuff on it, groceries, gas, Netflix, it's 2019. Come on, there's an envelope for Netflix. <laughs> and I put the money in there, and I stuff it away, and I set it aside. And I don't touch that money because it's set aside for what? For Netflix. <laughs> I'm making that money holy for Netflix, right? I'm not going to touch it. So it means to be set aside. I'm a holy person. Okay, who has set you aside? You're not just a holy person. You're God's holy person. God has set you aside. You are special to God. Set aside for his purposes. Far too many. We got too many Christians. We got too many Christians this day and age walking around like they don't have a purpose. Walking around life wondering who they are. Trying to find out who they are in this profession and that thing and this other thing. And I'm sitting here going, man, you are a holy person set aside by God for his purposes. Look at this. Ephesians, <coughs> excuse me. Ephesians 2. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Did you know what God wrote your to-do list before you were born? He did. He wrote your to-do list before you have stuff to do. For him. For the king of the universe. And this is wonderful. An identity is something that's true about you in any space, in any time, whether you're physically dead or alive. It's true. An identity is something that's true about you in any space, any time, whether you're physically dead or alive. This is what's true. You are set aside. He has stuff for you to do. I'm retired. Doesn't matter. You're not retired from being God's holy person. Right? You got stuff to do. 
And this is a wonderful privilege. It's amazing. But that's not all he says. He says God's holy people in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. I want you to key in on the word in there. This is what it means. I'm in. But in Christ Jesus. This is about association, and this is very important because sometimes it's tempting for us as we sit and think about who we are, it's tempting for us to answer the question by saying, I am, God, I am who God says I am. And is that true? Yes, that's true. But the thing is, because we're sinful, and this is what we tend to do, we tend to, we tend to leave out all of the negative stuff, and we tend to include only the positive stuff that God says about me. Who am I? I'm who God says. I'm who God says I am. I'm loved. I'm chosen. Yes, that's true. But there's a lot of other things that God says about you in the Bible. It's just as much a part of who you are, and you've got to hold on to it. This is about association. In Christ Jesus, I don't have any business being in God's presence or having as close relationship with him as I do were it not for Christ Jesus right? I have access to something I wouldn't normally have access to. Have you ever found yourself in a place where you're like, how in the world did I get here? I shouldn't be here right now. <laughs> like, one time I went to a Tigers game. Any of you got baseball fans in our church here? Well, let me ask it a different way. Any thoughtful, highly intelligent people <laughs> in our church? Go to a lot of Tigers games. Love, love baseball. One time, I got invited to go to a Tigers game by a friend of mine who's connected to somebody who owned or at least rented or something, part of like a luxury suite at Comerica Park. I mean, I'm talking like luxury suite, okay? So I walk in here and instantly I'm like, hi, I'm out of place. I don't know what I'm doing here. The food. I'm like, this was on the menu? I've never seen this on the menu at Comer. Well, yeah, you've never been in the luxury suite. And it was free to me. I said, I said, what do you want to drink? I said, well, I'd like, I'd like a Coke, please. I said, okay. I said, what else do you have? I said, whatever you want. Whatever I want. <laughs> I'd like a Coke and a Mountain Dew and a coffee and an energy drink, and a water. What did you like to eat? Nachos. What kind of nachos? What kind of nachos? You have more than one kind? This is incredible. I'm sitting here watching the game with all these really important people. I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing here. And then, and then, and then the door opens, and these guys start walking in. A few guys. Members not kidding you, members of the 1984 Detroit Tigers World Series championship team start walking into the suite <laughs> where I am, and I'm like, I shouldn't be here. How did I get here today? I have no business being here, except I knew the right person. What I felt that day, it should be the wonderment that you and I feel as Christians every single day of our lives. Every day, as I wake up 
and I realize what I have in Christ Jesus, that I'm set free from sin and death, that I'm going to live forever with him, that I'm going to be with him, and I'm going to have purpose, and I'm going to have meaning in my life, that I no longer have to sit in my guilt and shame, that I no longer have to sit in any of those things, and man, that's incredible. How did I get here? (laughs) You got here because you're in. It's free for you. Wasn't free for him. Wasn't free for him. Cannot forget that part of our identity. It's part of who you are. I am a holy person. Set aside. Yes. Am I holy because I'm awesome? No. I'm holy because he's awesome. And he set me aside. And he bought me at a price. And he gave me a purpose. And he gave me his access. Now I am formerly an enemy, but now I'm an adopted child of God because of what I have in Christ Jesus. I'm a holy person in him. Don't ever get to separate that from my, yeah, that, mean, that means I acknowledge my sin, right? But I don't have to live there. I can move forward from that reality into a new reality. I am in Christ Jesus. So Paul goes after something they tend to believe about themselves. I'm the one in charge. Nope, you're a slave of Christ Jesus That's how you're actually free, though. He goes after things that tend to say about themselves. You're a holy person in Christ Jesus, though, both things at the same time. And this last sentence, verse 2, he goes after something that we tend to totally ignore about ourselves. Read this. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, I'm a grammar nerd, so we're going to grammar nerd out for just a moment here, okay? The word and in this sentence is very important, all right? As you're reading the Bible, particularly the New Testament, this is just a study tip. It's a good idea to circle things like conjunctions right here. And this is what we call in the nerdy grammar world a coordinating conjunction, right? Any people in school remember? You get it? Yeah. 100 million bonus points for you from the pastor. I don't know what you can cash them in for, but you know. Here you go, they're yours. It's a coordinating conjunction. It means that God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ are what? One. Equal. Same playing field. This is a big theological statement. You've got to pay attention to these as you're studying the Bible. This is huge. The Bible is about who God is, right? This is a big deal. It's also a big deal for today's discussion because God the Father and the Son are united in doing something here. They are giving a gift. What are they giving? grace, and peace. Friends, there are no two things in this world that you need more every single day than God's grace and God's peace. So what about God's love? Yeah? How has God's love manifested itself to you? His grace and peace. (laughs) His grace and peace. Here's the tragic thing. Many of us, many of us, if not most of us, are living our daily Christian lives as if we don't have them. We are. You don't have to raise your hand right now, but I just want you to think, how many of you go through life right now, you're exhausted? Constantly exhausted, can't get your energy back. I'm not just talking about physically, I'm talking about spiritually, mentally exhausted. How many of you anxious 
all the time, stressed out all the time, feeling like you got to prove yourself all the time in every environment. But you're a Christian. You think, I'm supposed to be joyful. I don't have any joy. Far too many of us going through life, not accepting the gift that God has given us. And here's why. Because we don't see ourselves as people who desperately need them every day. We don't. We don't understand that part of our identity. Right? We're told in this world, in a culture, that I can manufacture the peace that I need. Stressed out. Use this new medicine. We can manufacture the peace that we need. We can manufacture the grace that we need because, oh, you, you have, you're having trouble feeling not accepted? Accept yourself. Accept yourself. Approve yourself. You hear a common theme here? Yourself. You. It's all on you. But here, God gives us a tremendous gift, grace and peace. Grace, I think sometimes we think that grace is just, oh, God forgives my past sin with grace. You don't understand how wonderful grace is. Not only does it do that, but it also empowers me to battle current sin happening in my life. It is the power by which I am transformed into Christ's life on a daily basis. It's God's tremendous grace. And his peace, as Paul will say a few chapters later in Philippians chapter 4, peace guards my heart. That's a big job. Yet, so many of us walking through as if we don't have it. I want you to think about this for a moment. Imagine if you were friends with an absurdly rich person. I mean like billions of dollars rich. And they wanted to be really kind to you, so they just wrote you a check for one million dollars and handed it to you. You need the money. What would you do? You cash the check. <laughs> right? Am I right? You cash the check. Unless you yourself were also an absurdly rich person and you had billions and billions and billions of dollars and somebody wrote you a $1 million check, you might put it in your pocket and kind of forget that it's there. Kind of like a receipt or like another, you know, like a $5 bill. Oh, I got a $5 bill in my pocket. That's wonderful. If you really, if you understood yourself as really needing it, you'd, you'd run to the bank, not walk. You know, huge amounts of debt, you'd run to the bank, not walk. Here's, here's the point. I'm not talking about God giving you money. I'm not talking about that. It's a spiritual metaphor is what I'm saying. Every single day, every single day, God has written you a check for grace and peace, and far too many of us are walking through life with the check in our pocket. We don't cash it. We don't cash it. I get up in the morning and I go and I do my day and I completely bypass my time with the Lord. Uh, this is not a guilt trip. I'm not telling you that you do feel bad about yourself. That's not the point. The point is, is that so often I don't cash the check that I have available to me. Grace and peace are available to you from God the Father or Jesus Christ. Every single day, you will cash the check if you see yourself as somebody who needs it desperately. Who am I? I'm somebody who needs God's grace and peace on the daily. Every single day. Can't do it. What I got to do today, remember that to-do list I told you about? You wrote your to-do list before you were born. To-do list, can't do it. 
without God's grace and God's peace today, I'm going to get down on my knees. And here's how, you, here's how you cash the check. You just confess that you need them. Say you need it. God, I need your grace and peace today. Really need it. Can't get by without it. Can't manufacture it myself. The, the, if I minimize my need for grace, I minimize what Christ has done for me on the cross. And the cross will never be untrue. It will always... The cross says as much about me as anything that God has ever said about me. I need God's grace. I need God's peace. And they're readily available, but only if I recognize that I need them. Who am I? A lot of different answers to that question. A lot of them. The right answer? I'm a slave in Christ Jesus. I'm a holy person in Christ Jesus. And I'm somebody who needs God's grace and peace every single day. That's, that's the right answer. You know, how, you know how you can test if that's the right answer? It should tell you as much about you as it does about God. It says a lot about God. I'm a slave of Christ Jesus. God's in charge. He's all-powerful. He's the one who's in charge. I'm a holy person in Christ Jesus. Man, he, you will not believe what he has done for me. Grace and peace from Christ Jesus. Oh, man. My God is generous. That's who, that's who you are. That's who you are. Today, that's who you are. If you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior. If you have not done that, don't let it wait. Today is the day. Talk to me. Talk to one of the pastors. Right? Why don't you stand? I've got a gift for you on the way out. Y'all showered my family with gifts. I've got a gift for you. Unfortunately, it's not a gift card to the chicken shack. Uh, got, a, got a family to provide for. Can't go broke. But here's what it is. Where I told you at the beginning, my son Lincoln received his first ever ID card in the mail. And it's interesting. We put these next to other ones we have in the wallet or in the purse, and they actually don't really tell us anything about ourselves. <laughs> They're numbers and official documents or whatever. So I decided I'd make you an ID card. All right? It's a little business card, ID card, and uh, it's going to be handed to you on the way out. Make sure that you pick one up. If you don't get them, I'm sure we can have them available next week as well. But here's what it says. This is your, your new ID. It's who you are. You are what we just covered today. You're a slave in Christ Jesus. You're a holy person in Christ Jesus. Someone who needs God's grace and peace on the daily. Uh, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take and I want you to pray that through every day this week if you can. Just pray it through. Lord, this is who I am. This is what I need every single day. Do it for a week and see what God does with that. See what happens to your levels of anxiety with that. See what happens to your, feel, your feeling the need to prove yourself. See what happens to all of those things when you start answering the question that everybody asks with the right answer. I pray and we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for providing for us the right answer to the question we all ask. But I pray that we would accept it, Lord, that we'd have the humility to because we need to receive it from you. We can't just decide what it is ourselves, Lord. Thank you so much for what you have done for us and what that says about us 
May we walk with confidence knowing that we belong to you this day. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Friends, go in peace.